Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Lord God, we thank you this morning that for those who are here as followers of Jesus, no matter what we walk in with this morning, no matter the doubts, the fears, the worries, Lord, the the hurt and acute pain we may feel, Lord, that that is true. Jesus has paid it all. We will stand one day complete before the throne of God and you will look at us and you will say, you are my beloved child because of what my son has done on your behalf. And so, Lord, through the work of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, Lord, we run to you again and again and again. Lord, as we look to your word, would you show us yourself? Would you restore hope? Would you speak your truth? for the glory of your name and Lord, for the good of those who have gathered here together. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My name is Tim Barton. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries here at The Vine. Um, And so welcome to those who are in person, those who are joining us online. Um, We're in this series that's called, What Do You Think? And so we're going through a series of questions as we walk through um, the Gospel of Mark. Um, And and we're going to be in Mark chapter 9 here in just a moment. But this week, I I asked the question that we have for today um, to a bunch of people out in the community. And that question is, um, is disobeying God really that bad? Is disobeying God really that bad? And and so I asked this question to um, some people at the ball field, some people um, outside of a a coffee shop, um, some people on the Greenway, just uh, all over. And here are some of the answers I received as I asked that question. All right. First one was no. And the person got got away from me as fast as they could. I don't think they wanted to talk anymore. Um, Another answer I received was uh, not for me because I don't believe in God. Another answer I received was, yes, it's bad, but my friend told me some of those things, some of those rules in the Bible have changed, so I guess it's okay. Maybe, maybe there's that. Another said, yes, it's really that bad, but, but I don't know how to stop disobeying. And then another said, well, it would have been bad, but Jesus came. There were other answers. Um, I won't go through them all. Those are just some of the highlights. And, and the reality is, is that we could, couple, um, what, we could couple my experiences and things I've experienced in life, things you've experienced in life, and we could kind of put all that together and try to come up with the answer for that of, is, is disobeying God really that bad? Um, but, but what we do here at the Vine is we want to look and see what the Bible says. Now, for many of you who came in here today, that's what you're expecting There may be some of you here today that that's not really what you were expecting when you came, Um, but I want to ask you to at least um, least try to listen to what we're talking about so that when we're done today, you can consider what you want to do with those things. 
So we're going to look at Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 42, and we're reading verse 42 um, through 48. And this is a hard passage. And it's from the Word of God, and so we're going to look at it together. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 42. And it says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two hands to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, after I read that, after we read that together, I'm assuming that some of you now think our question today should be, are Christians really supposed to be that crazy? Or maybe even... uh, Is this passage outdated? Kind of like that one response I I received. Or some of you may even be thinking, why does this person next to me still have their hand? That was, some of you might actually be thinking that, right? Let's go back to the question, though. Is disobeying God really that bad? Based on the passage we just read, what, what do you think Jesus thinks about that, about sin or disobeying God? I'm not going to answer it. I want somebody to answer it. What do you think Jesus thinks? Yeah. Sounds like Jesus thinks it's bad. Okay, we got that, that established. Um, and, and that's actually the first point this morning. Um, when, we look, when we look at our passage, the question is, uh, we've got the first point is the answer to that question. And there's three parts to that answer that I want us to look at. Um, first is, found in verse 42, and is, yes, it's serious because it affects others. So look at verse 42 with me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now the word here that's translated sin, um, is, that's used in this passage, is the word scandalizo. What does that somewhat sound like? Scandala. Scandalous, scandal, etc. And, and what that means is to put a stumbling block or something that may cause another to trip. Or, or it means to cause another to distrust or run away from the one he or she should trust. Jesus is saying here that our sin is very serious because it often leads to others sinning, to others stumbling, or even struggling to believe. So who are these others? Well, when Jesus uses the phrase little ones here, um, he's referring to those who were young in the faith, who are watching not just children, includes children, but not just children, um, to those who were young in the faith, who were were watching um, our lives. And we know that from the context. Pastor John told us last week that, um, back up a few verses, that as the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest among them, Um, Jesus said to them that they all needed to to quit arguing about that and that they needed to be servants. 
And so Jesus, taking the opportunity with a child there, brings a child, an actual child to him. And a child was an example of um, one who was considered the small, the least, maybe even the least significant um, in the eyes of the culture of the day. And so Jesus brings this little child to him. And and in paraphrase, he says, if you want to serve me, quit worrying about how great you might be and serve those who can do little to nothing for you. That's what he's showing them when he brings the child to him. And then just after that passage, the disciples didn't quite get it yet. Um, there's another man um, who is, it says is casting out demons, and the disciples are trying to stop him. Disciples are trying to stop the guy um, because he wasn't part of their group. And the disciples are still dealing with, hey, wait, he can't be doing that. This is, he's got to be with us if he's going to be doing that. And Jesus stops him again, and he says, if he's not working against us, he's for us. And all that's important to understand when we come to verse 42, because in verse 42, we see further application of what Jesus has been teaching them. And what he's showing them here is that their pride and their desire to compare themselves to others, to make themselves look good, that was going to cause the little ones, those who were small, least, little in the kingdom, so to speak, it was going to cause them to question the truth and the power of Jesus and his message. That's pretty serious. And for us, there may be other ways that we cause the little ones in the faith who believe in him to sin. Jesus says that this is so serious, it would be better to be drowned in a horrific way And so we need to pause for a minute. And if Jesus, if you were a follower of Jesus here today, we need to think about the answer to this question. How are you, how are we causing others in the community of believers to sin? I'm not asking you to answer it out loud. But that's a real and serious question based on what Jesus shows us in this passage. And here's the thing. Let me me help you think through that a little bit more. The reality is we're all part of that um, in different ways in our lives. Let me give you an example. Uh, Students, maybe it's through the the fake you that you're trying to make known on social media. And in doing that, you might be leading others to believe that they too need to have good looks, great life, no issues, no real trouble going on in their life if they're going to be happy. Adults, we do similar things. Maybe even for you, it's on social media. But in other ways, um, maybe it's through suggesting that if we can just learn more, if we can just fix the economy, if we can just change the political structure to what we want it to be, or or maybe it's suggesting that if if someone else just gets uh, more fervency in their religious life and has more outward signs of of, um, their their following God, or maybe it's that we suggest that people simply need more knowledge of our brand of theology, And if we get all that, then we'll be okay. Here's the problem. Anything that leads people away from hope in Jesus alone as we see him in God's word is serious because it's causing others to stumble. So is disobeying God really that bad? Yes, it's serious for others. And and then secondly, yes, it's serious because it affects us. 
That's what we see going on in verse 43 through 47. And I'm not gonna read all that, those again, but that's the part where it says, hey, if, you're, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Right. That's pretty graphic language that Jesus is, is using there. And I probably don't need to say much more except, except this, is that in Jesus' mind, sin, disobeying God, really is that bad for us. How bad? Due to our sinful behavior, represented in the hand and the foot, and due to our sinful desires, those things we see and covet after and want, represented in the, in the eye, it would be better to enter a life of self-maiming and self-harm than to receive what we deserve for our sinful behavior and sinful desires. I don't want you to miss that point, because it's really important. It is serious. Now, if any of you have to leave early um, or for any reason, I want to go ahead and say Jesus is not saying to go cut off your hand or pull out your eye. We'll get back to that, just in case. Um, But he is saying you need to be aware of your sin. And remember, he's talking to his followers here. He's not talking to the world right now. He's talking to his followers, the people of God. So he's talking to many of us here in this room. So is disobeying God really that bad? Well, thirdly, we see, yes, it is serious because the consequences are forever. That's what he's showing in verse 43, 45, and 47. They all say that it'd be better to have something cut off than to be thrown into hell. A lot of times right now in our culture, even within the Christian subculture, um, we don't really want to talk about hell. We suggest that hell is not a reality because Jesus would never allow anyone to suffer in that way. But here's the thing. If hell is not a reality, then love is not much either. Because when we see hell for what it is, we see the greatness of the love of God. Jesus says, though, it is a reality, and he says that we don't want to be there. Because verse 48 says, um, that's where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This applies to the two preceding verses um, as well, the verse 43 and verse 45. It applies there as well. And it's it's this picture that that things in hell are really bad. There's this constant worm of decay eating at you, gnawing at you. It never stops. That feeling of brokenness, that feeling of suffering, it never stops physically, mentally, or emotionally. And the fire of suffering and intensity of pain never lets up. It goes on forever and ever, and ever. So is disobeying God really that bad? Yes. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? What's our response? Oh, that's the second point, is our response. And there's three parts to our response. First, our response is incomplete when it's only outward. Remember in this passage, again, Jesus is talking to his followers. That's a really important point that I want to keep driving home. He's talking to his followers. And as followers of Jesus, sin no longer reigns in us, but it does remain in us. And so our response needs to include acknowledging and dealing with our sin. But this is not a call to do a little self-harm or even primarily a call to learn how to control circumstances. You know, many people with really great intentions 
recognize that this passage is not talking about hurting ourselves. I, I think if I'd ask you when you came in here, um, is this passage really literally telling us to cut off our hand and foot? I think most of you would have said no. Some of you might have been like, no, I hope not. Um, but but when, we, when we think about that, he, he's not saying literally to do that. And most people would acknowledge that. But see, we often just come up with kind of another version of that. And we say things like, I know he don't want me to cut my hand off, but I should probably get rid of my computer. Or I should probably not, not be on my iPhone ever. And so we just need to throw that stuff away. Or, or we need to stop doing this thing. We need to stop this habit if we're going to fight sin. Sometimes those things are necessary. Right? I'm not saying those aren't ever necessary. But what I am saying is that the passage indicates that, that sin is serious, but if our approach is only outward, it is incomplete. And actually, if our approach is only outward, it leads to hopelessness. Our experience tells us this. All right, kids, I need your help. There's some of you in here. Maybe I say kids. There's, I think there's at least some middle schoolers in here. I'm trying to look around a little bit. All right, I need your help for a minute, okay? Rest of you, you can go ahead and apply this to things you remember too. But in your life, have your parents ever told you, don't do that again? <laughs> We've got an adult that's, that's helping us with that already. Uh, has your parent ever said, don't do that again? Yeah, right? Okay, thank you. Um, do you think they meant it when they said, don't say, don't do it again? I think they probably meant it. Do you think they meant it when they said, when, when they said you'll have consequences if you do it again? Did you ever do it again? Yeah. Don't worry, you're not alone. Why? Why did we do it again? Well, because Christianity is not about how good we are at sin management. Christianity is not about how good we are at sin management. Pastor and author uh, Dr. Tom Wood says in his book in Teaching Vital Grace that the life of the flesh or the walking dead lifestyle, so to speak, cannot be ended by telling us it's no way to live. It cannot be stopped by fear of punishment. It cannot be suspended by quoting the rules of the church, society, religion, or even the Bible. Because the heart wants what the heart wants. We will have to find another way to live. If our response is only outward, the response won't last. Because that's not what Christianity is about. But you know, if we're honest with ourselves, in some ways, that's what we want it to be about, we think. Right? We kind of want that idea that we can control this. We kind of want that idea that, that we can go out on our own and we can, we can protect ourselves from this and we can guard our families from this. We can accomplish and achieve this. But y'all, if that's really what it's about, it's not good. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's serious. Because nothing outward is going to fix what's going on inward. Something greater
Let me go back to this for a minute before I go there. Our response is incomplete again when it's outward. And so the second thing we see about our response is is that we need to acknowledge and deal with the internal. This passage is a great example um, of why we have to understand the context of what's going on in and around the passage, combined with the, the, the all of the Bible. Because if we were trying to find our response simply from this passage, we'd be lost. We couldn't get the answer simply from here. And so to understand our response, I want us to go back to Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. And here's what it says there. For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Where does that passage say sin comes from? It comes from within. It comes from the heart. The idea here indicates that sin comes from the deepest core of who we are. If all these things then come from within, then cutting the hand off doesn't solve anything. It doesn't help. Throwing the computer away doesn't fix our problem. The core of our sin is that our heart wants something else more than it wants God. Our heart wants something else more than it wants God. Our heart wants to be like God. Our heart wants to be God. Sin is our, this this desire to be God, to be like God, is our greatest love apart from something or someone else taking its place. Thomas Chalmers, Scottish pastor, says, Something greater, or, or says the, we need the expulsive power of a new affection. The expulsive power of a new affection. The, the only way our desire to be like God goes away is if something else is in its place. Fame can't do it. Our likes on social media can't do it. Power can't do it. Comfort can't do it. A significant other can't do it. Self-medication can't do it. The wisdom of man can't do it. Those are all things we run to in in this world. None of them are greater than what our heart wants. None of them are greater than our desire to be like God. To be in control. To be the one who gets to decide what's happening and how it's going to happen in our There is only one thing, one someone who is greater. And who is it? It is God. It is Him and it is Him alone through the work of His Son. So what do we need to see? We need to see His beauty. We need to see His glory. We need to see His holiness. We need to see Him for who He really is not just this weak little God we want to make him to be. Y'all, that's why we gather together 
for church. That's why we need each other here on Sunday mornings. That's why we need fellow believers during the week. It's because together we look to Him. And, that, and He is the only one greater than. This desire to be like Him. But here's the thing. We can't even do that on our own. That leads us to the last part of our response. It is to find hope in the one who was cut off. When Jesus came, Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus came to the end of, the end of his time here and he had his hand and his foot and his eye cut off for us. Did that sound right? I was partly right, but it was more than that, right? You see, Jesus came to the end, and he didn't just have a hand or a foot or an eye removed for us, because it was deeper than that. What we needed was deeper than that. It wasn't just his body that died. He was cut off. From the Father. Our sin was so serious, so corrupting, so damaging, that He had to die. He had to be cut off from the Father, and that was hell for Jesus in that moment. Jesus had the deepest affection for the Father there was. He, the Father, and the Spirit, as the triune God, were one. And in that moment, he took separation, not just bodily. He took separation from God that we might never experience the ultimate suffering, the ultimate hell that we deserve for our sin. And then, do you remember what he did? We celebrate it every week, but we really celebrate it on Easter. He rose again from the dead. And when he rose again from the dead, he defeated. He, he said, sin may remain, but it will not reign in my people. And then in Acts chapter 2, he sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, that all who believe in his name, we, we have received the Holy Spirit. He is within us. And you know what he's doing? While Jesus is interceding for us, it says constantly, the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus and that Jesus was cut off and that that is what we need and that is where our hope is. And then the Holy Spirit is working to defeat the power of sin within us. Philippians 1, 6 says that... that um, God, God will complete the work that He began in us. He will complete the work that He began in us. And He does that by the Holy Spirit working to eradicate, to kill, to deal with the sin that is in our lives. What do we do with that? Get out your notebooks because I've got a lot to tell you. 
Now, that's really not that complicated. It's hard, but it's not complicated. Because what he calls us to do, to deal with the sin that is in our lives, is he calls us to surrender to the work of the Spirit in our lives. To ask the Spirit of God to show us the sin that that needs to be killed, to kill the sin in us. To show us his word and where our lives are not aligned with his word and to say, kill that sin within us. But y'all, that's not a one and done thing. This week, um, as I was working through this sermon and I was sitting and talking with my wife and talking to her about it a little bit, And she shared a quote with me um, that she had read this week that said uh, something like this. If you find your righteousness or hope in your preaching, then you're going to die every Sunday. Does that make sense? It made sense to me because every week I have to surrender or every time I preach, I have to surrender to the idea that what other people think about what, I have to, what God puts on my heart to say is not where I get my righteousness. It's not where I get my hope. It is only in the work of Jesus. You understand that if I'm getting my righteousness or my hope from y'all and what you say about what I preach, that's my sin. And that needs to be eradicated from my life. It needs to be torn out from my life. I wish it was one and done. It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? But again and again and again, we run to him. And we say, Spirit of God, kill this within me. Jesus has accomplished it. It's going to be done. And yet we run to him in this time, day after day after day, moment after moment after moment. Karen's going to come and lead us, um, or she's going to sing a song. And I just want to ask you to take this time to reflect. And I'd ask you, would you ask the Spirit of God to show you the sin within you and to begin to, to, to kill that sin in you, to show you what he wants you to be actively doing in addressing that sin in your life? Reflect on that as we sing, as, as Karen leads us, and then I'll come back in a moment and lead us to the Lord's table.
reflected on those things, I want to ask you to stand with me. And from Psalm 51, um, I want us together out loud um, to profess this truth um, of confessing our sin, but also of his grace and his mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear with joy and gladness.
Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.